What is going on, everybody? And welcome to the Monday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. I am your host, Josh Harris. We are sponsored by Sleeper Picks. We have a nice free square for you later. Rare Monday show this week, but we do have six games. They're games, at least. Not the best slate, in my opinion. But joining me, as always, partner in crime. I think he's wearing a Bret Hart shirt. Slim Cliffy, how was your weekend? Uh, uh, pretty good weekend. Um, got a lot of uh, Christmas things done that I wanted to get done, um, which is always good. Told you I missed... Uh, I'm at the, I was at the point where I was scraping for fantasy points on Saturday night slate, and I had made a uh, lineup change about 15 minutes before lock, and I took one off Owen Tippett out and put in one off Andre Sveshnikov and like it's like an eight point difference by the end of the night it was the difference between cashing and not uh those decisions sometimes bother you didn't really bug me because that slate was didn't really I wasn't going anywhere anyway so those things happen but I like I know it this seems like kind of a, a a downer slate here today but I like these kinds of nights because there's no McKinnon there's no McDavid there's no Jack Hughes like you, there are a lot there's no Austin Matthews like all the top most of the top options no Vancouver um no San Jose mercifully um all those all those options off the slate I think kind of open things up and make avoiding the chalk a little bit easier so I I like nights like tonight even with Seattle on the slate yeah chalk Seattle Anytime Seattle's on the slate, they're going to be chalk just because their their prices haven't moved and they're in Montreal tonight. So we'll definitely talk about this game, that game for sure. It's just, you know, there aren't many giant totals, which is nice. Like the biggest total on the slate is Vegas at 3.5. There's a bunch in the low threes and the high twos. So it's not like there's going to be an overwhelmingly expensive chalk spot. So I kind of agree there that from that standpoint, it's going to be nice, like where you can, you're not jamming a $24,000 line outside of Tampa Bay one, if you do to, you know, get Seattle in there or whatever. So I think it's going to be pretty easy to make a unique lineup tonight. So let's get into the slate. But before we do, you know, the drill, my friends, smash that like button, make sure you subscribe helps us a lot. And you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers giveaways and much more. Obviously, when you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live so you don't miss the start of this show. If you are, if you don't watch live and you're driving home from work, um, uh, YouTube isn't for you. You can find all of our content over on the Stochastic Podcast channel. All of our show, all the live shows besides uh, Live Before Lock go into podcast form. So check that out. Also, you can go into the Stochastic Hall of Fame by changing your avatar on DraftKings and FanDuel by going to stochastic.com backslash avatar, place in the top three of a contest with over 5K contestants, tweet the wins to at StochasticHOF account. If you don't have uh, X or Twitter, you can email us with your screenshot. You can win a free month of Stochastic package of your choice. We had a couple of, actually no, one of them made the Hall of Fame on Saturday. Elway's Army on a heater. Finished second in the 15 for 5,000 on Saturday. That contest was over 5,000 people. I saw he tagged at Stochastic HOF in that post. So congrats to you. Been on a heater. Um, it's nice to see. Also last night, second uh, guy in our Discord named Muscles Go Moo. He got his on DraftKings as Muscles underscore male nad. One of the better uh, 
usernames on DraftKings finished second in the 15 for 2,500. I don't think that was above 5,000 contestants. Also, you don't have a stochastic Avi, so poo-poo to you, but congrats to you. And uh, yeah, it's always nice when subscribers win. Yeah, um, it's 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 nice to see people go on those little heaters too, because like that's the thing is you you get like one real good week where you have maybe you have one takedown and like a couple real strong showings depending whether you're GPP or MME sorry or single entry like it can pretty much make your entire season. So you know, congrats to Elway's Army going on a little heater. Hopefully, we can get some other people uh, heating up here tonight as well. Yeah. Um... Good to see. We love to see it. Congrats to you guys. Let's get into this slate. Pittsburgh with a 3.2 total heading into Philadelphia. The Flyers have a 2.9 total. Kind of interesting to see the ownership here. Well, it's not like super surprising because Flor- or Philly, I always do that. Florida and Philly. I got to work on that. Uh, Connect Nikatoria uh, Forrester coming off a pretty big game this weekend. They're only 14,500. It is in Philly, so they're going to see the Crosby line, which has been a bit leaky defensively. They're coming in very high-owned at 18.5%. Now, would I rather play 18.5% Philadelphia or would I rather play 20% plus Seattle? It's probably Philadelphia here. That line has been good. They are fully correlated on the power play. Not that it matters because Tortorella's power. Although they did score on the power play the other day, which was nice to see. Uh, Penguins. Penalty kill has generally been pretty good. News for the the Penguins. They took uh, Rust off the top power play unit, and they went to Latang. So they're going three forwards, 2D. That power play is so bad that three forwards, 2D might actually make it better because Latang actually shoots the puck. So there will be pucks going on net. So maybe you'll improve it. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Pittsburgh top line, 22,100, not fully correlated anymore. They do have a very high top two percentage and they have positive leverage coming in at 12%. I don't love the matchup, especially if it is Carter Hart and net. I think you can spend up for them. I don't think it's super necessary in one to three, unless you love them. Um, so for me, I like the Philly side a bit better here. Yeah, it is going to be Carter Hart starting, uh, it looks like. So that's definitely not good news for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, I wrote about that power play issue today in the article um, over at Stochastic. Uh, Just head on over to Stochastic.com. Head on over to the NHL section. I have a free article up there almost every day, uh, except for Sundays. Um, what I wrote about was the top power play unit because Latang has had time injured over the last you know couple seasons. Um, there was you know time spent away from the top unit with Eric Carlson there this season. Going back to last year, the top units goals for per 60 minutes with Latang is over 10. Now, 10 goals per 60 minutes on the power play is pretty good. It's not elite like the elite power play units. You'll see them like between like 12 and 14. Like I'm talking like Dallas or Tampa Bay and, and things like that. Um, but 10 still pretty good. And it's certainly a lot better than what they were doing with Carlson uh, so far this year. It's like 50% higher or something like that. So whether it's 3-4-2 defensemen or not, I think Latang probably should stay on the top power play unit, but as you mentioned, it's not really a good power play spot for them. Um, Philly below average uh, by penalties taken uh, per minute 
um, so far, or per game, sorry, so far this season. So they're not a team that's really undisciplined, which, you know, kind of makes sense when uh, you're thinking about a John Tortorella team. They're also allowing the second fewest shots against per minute on the power play. That The only team allowing less is Carolina. Like, that's pretty rarefied air for any penalty kill. Um, it's still only, you know, 24 games, less than a third of the season, but that's very impressive. And even if the Pittsburgh power play is somewhat improved with a tang there, it's just a really bad power play spot for them. So you take away, you know, some any power play upside that the Pittsburgh Penguins might have had, and it makes you it doesn't make me want to play them anymore. Let's put it that way. The, the fact that Latang is there because just because of the matchup. Now, I was looking at the Philly side this morning. I'm not surprised to see the ownership as high as it is. I'll bring up the top stacks tool uh, real quick. Uh, Philly won on DraftKings, 11.3 top two stack percentage, 18.5% ownership. I mean, that makes sense because that line has been very good this year with Forrester. There are 3.1 expected goals for 3.3 actual goals for per 60 minutes of five on five. Like I look at certain um, like playmaking and, and scoring chance creation data and like Travis Konechny's literally been one of the best in the league this season. I think that's why we've seen him play a lot more minutes of late. Like I think it, it, in the article, I know he's been up to uh, 20, 45 per game over his last six games. Um, that's a lot of ice time. Like earlier this year, he was skating like 14, 15 minutes a game at times. So um, he was really good last year. Uh, he's definitely kept that same play, offensive play, so far this year. Problem is, is like the assists haven't been there. Like he's not a big, a massive assist guy, anyways. But you know, there has definitely been a lack of scoring from his line mates. But as you mentioned, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, they'll they'll go up against Pittsburgh's top line, and Pittsburgh's top line is generally traded chances this year. They have tightened things up defensively. I was looking at some more recent numbers. Like just over the last three weeks, they're closer to league average by expected goals against, if not a bit better. And that stretch has included games against New Jersey, Carolina, Vegas, the Rangers, Toronto, Nashville, Tampa Bay. Like a pretty brutal stretch, which has seen them play really good defensively. So I think that's why you're seeing just a 2.9 total on Philly here. Like it's the same, it's the same as Montreal, right? It's like, and um, you know, Montreal certainly with all their injuries, doesn't have the firepower um, that Philly does. So like, I'm interested in Philly one, but I just think that where they're coming in way over owned, um, you know, I think you're going to see even like Couturier or Konechny, one or the other, be over 20% in some contests, um, full line combinations, certainly not in the teens, the high teens. Like, I think there are reasons to fade Philly one here tonight, um, especially in single entry. The question is what to do with their depth. For me, it's the Frost Tippett Brink line. Um, they're the cheapest trio uh, that the Flyers have 3.3 top two stack percentage, five and a half percent ownership. There's negative leverage, but it's nothing extreme. Like when you're talking about ownership staying under 6%, like that, it's not like Seattle where Seattle's like 12, 13, 15% most times, like 6%. It's not, not a big deal for me. Um, Tibbet, like he has been one of the shot happiest players in the league this season, something that he's, he's kind of been all his career, but has really, you know, come into his own over the last season and a quarter uh, with the Flyers. Um, you know, 63 shot attempts for 63 against in the 95 minutes together for Frost and Tippett. They've been pretty good. Brink and Tippett are both on, quote, the second power play unit. Um, not that it really matters with the Flyers. I think they basically have two even units. Neither of them very good. 
Um, but you do get that. So I honestly kind of like that Tippett line. It's Philly two in the top stacks tool. So Tippett, Frost, and Brink is what I like best on that side. Like on the Pittsburgh side, I think for me, I kind of like the second line a little bit better here. Because like you said, you do lose the perfect correlation with Brian Rust. Um, not like Rust. Um, like Rust was having a pretty good season anyway, and he was shooting a lot. Um, not like this is a great power play spot for them anyway. But, you know, you get Malkin and Smith and O'Connor who have struggled a little bit. Um but Smith and Malkin have generally been good this season. Malkin has been shooting a lot more of late. They're going to avoid that, that Sean Couturier matchup. So for me, I think it's both second lines that I like best here. Yeah, and just a quick note on the Flyers' second power play unit, not that you stack the Flyers for the power play, but if you are looking to correlate with them, um, John Toro took Sanheim off both units and put Ristolainen on the second unit. Well, I mean, whatever. They're they're trying to manage Sandheim's minutes, but like Ristolainen, probably way cheaper on DraftKings. We'll talk about defensemen at the end, though. Dallas Stars, a 3.2 total. Heading into Tampa Bay, the Lightning also have a 3.2 total. These two teams played on Saturday in Dallas. Dallas absolutely ran them out of the rink. It was 8-1. to one. Vasilevsky started that game, too. It wasn't Eonis Johansson, so I don't know. The most expensive line in the night. Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, Steven Stamkos, 24,100 to full stack, 33.2% top two stack percentage, the highest in our top stacks tools. They have the most positive leverage on the night as well. It's just a question of if you want to pay up for them, right? They are super expensive. It's not the best spot. They're like it, they probably left a lot of sour taste in people's mouth on Saturday if you played the early slate. Can you go back to them? Yeah, I think you can here. I just, in one to three, I don't know if I want to take almost half my salary on a team, on a line that's over 24,000 in not the best spot. I think you can definitely, like, if you're playing even 20, going two of 20, Tampa Bay one gets you over the field projected. So I think you can be a little bit over the field in MME, especially with the moral lineups you make in one to three. If you like them, play them. Obviously, they are a very, very good line. They're fully correlated, et cetera. Just the way I like to build, I kind of like my second line and my single entry to be actual players and not like jamming in like third and fourth min price guys just to be able to afford defensemen. So, like, I think you can one off a Kucherov here. I, I don't really like. Uh, one-offing expensive guys from elite lines when they're super chalky, but if they're going to be low owned, I think, you know, one-offing Kucherov is fine here on the Dallas side. It's back to Sagan, Duchesne, Marchment until they literally stop scoring, which may be never at this point. They're $5,000 cheaper than Robertson and Hintz Pavelski. So I'll take the saving. I think you can go to Dallas one here. I think they look pretty good on Saturday as well. It's just, you know, I'd rather take the $5,000 savings with not a lot of ownership compared to like Seattle in the same price range with much more ownership. Philly won in that price range with a lot more ownership. So I, I do like Dallas two in that price range specifically one, because that line has been incredible and two, they're coming in much lower owned than the chalky fillers. Yeah. Uh, I'll just, I'll just touch on the Tampa Bay side first. Um, I guess one of the problems that I have with Tampa is like, this isn't really a good power play spot for them, right? Like Dallas typically has a really good penalty kill. I will say 
of late, it's been a little bit more on the goaltending than the penalty kill itself. But uh, honestly, that Jake Ottinger is playing really well, has been playing really well in the penalty kill is not a surprise for me. So um, where this team, you know, they're not relying on power play scoring, but you definitely want to have that upside when you're paying, you know, like you said, on DraftKings, nearly half your salary cap is going to be have to devote it to the stack if you do go with it. Um, you know, they. I, I was surprised that they went back to these, you know, kind of this line combination after that game. Like, normally you don't see that basically after they got their brains beat in. Um, like, an 8-1 game is, is usually one of those, we're going to mix everything up um, for the next game. Now, they didn't play that poorly. But they did get outshot nine to six. You know what I mean? And when you have this line together, like they can score like four times on six shots. I mean, they did it literally against Carolina pretty much. Um, They can do it against anybody, but it's not as if this is a line that's coming in with like one, two percent ownership. Like we've seen that with Colorado at times this year, right? Where, you know, they'll be on the road on on an eight, nine game slate or 10 games slate or something. They'll have like one or two percent ownership. Like this line could be like 10 percent in some contests isn't really that low um i'm just not a huge fan of paying up that much when it's not really a good spot for them like the dallas penalty kill has like i said generally been pretty good they're ta- they're gonna keep them uh, away from the top line matchups so the kucherov line shouldn't see much of pavelski and hints and and those guys here tonight the problem is like the Tyler Sagan line has been really, really good. And Dallas has changed around their defensemen over the last like week or so. And they've moved Yanni Hockenpah to a pair with Essel and Dell. And they've been really good defensively. Um, expected goals against at like two so far this year in like 140 minutes together. So even if you get them away from the Pavelski line, even if you get them away from Miro Haskinen, you're going to be going into the teeth of a pretty good defensive pair and possibly against the second line, which has been arguably the team's best defensive line and offensive line so far this season. So um, I just think that there, this is, you know, this is a slate where if you want to pay up, there's one clear pay up spot and it's Tampa Bay. I just don't want to pay that much in a subpar matchup. So I'm kind of out on Tampa one. The Tampa second and third lines are a lot more interesting to me because um, I mentioned something on Twitter earlier this morning about Nick Paul's season. Like he's just having a brutal season. I like, I don't know if people realize this, but outside the power play, he's been a drag on the team. And I think he's probably even been a drag on the power play for most of the year. Let's be honest. Um, He's not the one driving the play there, Um, but he's playing with Esamont and Janot who have, generally been able to play pretty well regardless of the center that they've been put with, whether it's been Luke Lindenning on the fourth line, whether it's been with Anthony Sorelli, um, it doesn't matter. They generally played pretty well. Um, they're probably going to see the weakest defensive lines from, from Dallas, the third and fourth lines, what I would call the third and fourth lines, the Johnston line and the Faxa line. Um, so I don't hate the idea of like, you know, especially where you get Nick Paul still on the top power play unit. So I don't hate the idea um, of going to like a two man of like Paul and Esmont or Paul and Janot or something like that, saving some cash in a 3.2 total and then going to pay up elsewhere. So I think that's kind of the direction I would lean in. I In a, in a nutshell, I like the way the Hegel, Sorelli, Alex Barry Boulette line looks. I just don't think Barry Boulette's actually played that well, basically since like the first couple weeks of the season, like 
any time since basically Halloween, he's been invisible. And his expected goals, play, driving metrics kind of bear that out. He's been really rough this season driving the play. It hasn't been him. It's been other players. So I imagine that line even gets changed up. So I think it's the Tampa third line that I actually like best. Um, kids factoring in price and ownership and all that here tonight. The Dallas side, like, yeah, it's back to our boys. Like, I even wrote up Mason Marchment. It's it's kind of surreal to see Mason Marchment doing what he's doing. Like, he's on pace for 26 goals and 30 assists, which isn't, like, a massive season. But that's, like, putting up, like, two, three, four power play points. He's not doing anything on the power play. It's all even strength. And he went 32 games last year without a goal. Like, he went, like, 11 weeks or something like that without scoring. And this guy's on pace to put up over 25 and over 55 points. Like, it's just been a remarkable turnaround. I think Matt Duchesne deserves a lot of credit here. He's looked really good for them since coming over from Nashville. I mean, the line, you know, even as they, you know, quote, slowed down a little bit of late, they're still at 2.8 expected goals for 2.2 against over the last three weeks, still scoring a lot. They're playing between 15 and 17 minutes because the team is spreading out the ice time again. So like, I'm pretty sure why Johnston leads the forwards in ice time per game over the last three weeks. Um, so like, they're not really playing the top line as a top line. Um, the second line is basically like a, a, a second first line. If you, you know, you want to put it that way, they're getting some power play time as well. They're going to go up. They're probably going to see a fair bit of that Kucherov matchup. And the thing with the Kucherov-Stamkos um, brain point line <clears throat> is in a small sample this year, they've been atrocious defensively. And even last year, they were below average defensively. Like, yes, they're wizards offensively. They're incredibly talented offensively. They should be able to generate offense again in any matchup. But they also give up a lot. They're like the Pittsburgh top line that we just talked about in that sense. So, yeah, I'm with you. I kind of like Dallas, too, um, here again tonight. Um, not coming in uh, with much ownership on the top stacks tool. 3.9% ownership, 3.3% top two stack percentage. I think it's a night to go back to our boys. So I'm going Dallas 2, Tampa 3 is what I like best here. Yeah, I'm on board with you. Speaking of awful lines defensively, did you see the wings that lines that they practiced today? Second line of Debrinkat, Joe Valeno, Patty Kane. <laughs> That line is going to get run over defensively, but they're going to be fun. Yeah, it's anyway. going to be fun to watch. I mean, uh, the brink had on, on the second power play unit, too. Yeah. That's That sucks. Yeah, I don't know what that coach is doing. He's got issues, but who doesn't in the NHL? Sign up using the link in the description box below to get access to the best NHL data and tools in the industry. You get player and ownership projections, top stacks tools, line combination, and access to the NHL Discord. Cliffy's article, always free to read on stochastic.com backslash NHL. Our show, always free. Cliffy's highlighting the, the tools here that we show on the show. But if you sign up for weekly or monthly, you get access to it 24-7. You can add Fantasy Cruncher if you are a MME player. You don't have to add it if you don't want to. Uh, but if you're interested, click the link in the description box below. Get in the Discord. Say we can't say you came from the show. Say what up, and uh, off we go. Seattle Kraken with a 3.5 total heading into Montreal. The Canadiens have a 2.9 total. Both teams switching up their lines here. Um, Marty St. Louis finally putting Slavkovsky on the top line with Caulfield and Suzuki. 
That is nice. Um, Dave Hackstall moving Ty Cartier up to the top line with Beneers and Eberle. That is nice. But then uh, they moved McCann with Wenberg and Tanev. Wenberg and McCann are on the same power play unit, so there's that. And then Tolvin and Bjorkstrand and Gord are together. Um, got a $1 super chat from Ryan, Ryan Wooldridge. No message attached. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. I mean, if you have a question, or message, yeah, yeah. If you have a question or message attached to it, drop it below and we'll respond. But uh, Ty Cartier not with Beniers and Everlay in our top stacks tools yet. That will come in in the top run. But currently, as it's constituted, the Tolvan and Bjorkstrand Gord line is three hundred dollars more than Dallas two, and their projected ownership is twenty one point nine percent. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's okay. going to come down once we get Cartier in just because of the, of the pricing difference. But yeah, those will be in the mid double digits, I suspect. Yeah. And yeah, I know bacon It's it's chalk Seattle. We don't like it. We don't like it, but I'm kind of interested in the Cartier line. Now we'll have to see on an ownership run. I was kind of hoping he would replace Everlay and not McCann because McCann was the shooter. I guess Cartier can fill in as the shooter there. I, I don't know what their power play units are going to be because the McCann-Wenberg unit is usually with Schultz, but in the last game, Dunn jumped onto that unit for a bit. Like figuring out Dave Hackstall's power play units, are, it's an exercise kind of like figuring out John Tortorella lines. Yeah. This is a really, really good power play spot. The problem is they just split their power play units across four lines, and it's it's kind of hard to nail down. I want to see the rerun on ownership because I would imagine all these lines are going to be chalky because the Wenberg line now is double digits. I would imagine the Everlay line is going to be double digits. The Tolvin and line is going to be double digits. I'm interested in the Cartier line. I'm hoping hoping it's going to be the lowest owned of the trio. We'll wait and see. But what really grabs my attention here is Montreal won. Caulfield, Suzuki, Slavkovsky at 15-6 coming in, 6% projected ownership. Now, we don't know if Slavkovsky is going to be on the top power play unit, but Suzuki and Caulfield certainly will be. And let's not pretend that the Seattle penalty kills any good. It sucks. So, like, I kind of like the Montreal side better just because the ownership is way lower and it's almost equally as good as a power play spot. Not like it's not. Montreal's penalty kill is worse, but like Seattle's isn't much far behind. So I think from an ownership perspective, my favorite line in this game is Montreal one, but I, I do have interest in some from Seattle here. Yeah. We do have to talk about the Seattle power play, unfortunately, as much as I don't really want to. Um, it's just generally not been good this season. I mean, they just really don't have the talent to put together a, a great top power play unit. The funny thing is, is like, They've actually been scoring at a reasonable rate, like since Halloween. So their last 15 games, they're 20th in the league by goals per minute on the power play, which isn't, it's not good. It's not where you want to be, but it's not God awful. Like God awful in that stretch would be teams, you know, like Columbus, Pittsburgh that we talked about, so on and so forth that are less than half that rate. Um, the funny part is, is that, they've scored 10 power play goals in that stretch and they have seven different forwards on the ice for five goals each. Like it's literally split between the two units. That's kind of the problem with Seattle. Um, 
is that with those split units, like the Justin Schultz unit has been getting better as the season's gone on, which is, um, which was not the case earlier in the year. It was the Vince Dunn unit scoring all the goals. Now it's, it is more 50, 50, but again, that highlights the problem with Seattle. And, you know, if you're in a single entry, like, like you can go ahead and play the Kraken, but if they go off on the power play, you're basically flipping a coin as to which, which unit is, is going to score all the goals. Right. So, um, I don't mind. I don't really mind any of the Seattle lines here. I think the one that I would have most interest in is that um, Gord Tolvanen um, Bjorkstrand line, for the simple fact that they're going to go up, whether it's against you know um, the Josh Anderson line or, or the Christian Dvorak line or, or whatever. Montreal's top line has actually had like league average defensive numbers this year, whenever Josh Anderson has not been there like that, that's one of the keys to them actually staying in games. Like the Montreal top lines at 2.7 expected goals against without Anderson there. Like that's not great, but it's certainly not terrible. Um, and it's a lot worse with him. So it's not really a great matchup for Seattle one, Beniers, Eberle, um, and Ty Karche. Uh, the other problem is like, that's a super cheap line. That's only 12 grand. <laughs> so like they fit with Tampa Bay so I imagine you're going to see a lot of the Seattle top line stacks here tonight. Um, that's why I'm kind of out on them and kind of in more uh, on that Gord, Tolvin, and Bjorkstrand line. Like, I do still like Jeremy Cann as a one-off because he does shoot a lot. He's still on pace for 36 goals. Like, they move him to that line because he can score just about anywhere he plays. Um, he's good enough to do that. So it, it effectively gives them three scoring lines, but whatever that might be good for the team. That's not necessarily good for DFS, right? Cause now you're picking between not three even lines, but three close enough lines um, at five on five. So I would just uh, go to Bjorkstrand, Tolvanen um, and Gord. Um, you know, Gord and Tolvanen are both, you know, quote on the top power play unit. They're going to see the depth matchups. Bjorkstrand has been shooting uh, a lot lately. He's up there with McCann for, and Cartier for uh, leaders on, on the team. Um, you know, this over the last couple of weeks, they've been really, really good offensively. Three expected goals, 3.1 actual goals per 60 minutes. They play to a high pace, which is not something that Seattle always does. So it is a Tolden in line. I like on that side on the Montreal side. Like I, I agree with you on the top line of Caulfield, Suzuki and Slavkovsky. Um, they're not coming in with a lot of ownership either. I'll show the top stacks again, uh, 6% ownership. On that top Montreal line, I think it'll be a pretty good line long-term. Here's my issue is that Seattle's been pretty good defensively for a while now. Again, going back um, to Halloween, which is a a 15-game stretch, um, Seattle's a top-five team defensively at five-on-five. The only thing that's sinking them is their goaltending. And, you know, Montreal doesn't really have a lot of good shooting talent like you have Caulfield, you have maybe Sean Monahan on the power play is a decent shooter. That's basically it. Like they're they're not going to get there through volume. They're going to have to get there with a little bit of luck, and I don't really like that. So I, as excited as I am to see Slavkovsky play on the top line, I just I'm not sure it's a tremendous matchup. What I will say is that moving Ty Karate to the top line makes them worse defensively. It just does. Like Jeremy Can is. You know, he can score, but he's also a good two-way winger. Um, Ty Karachay is not that yet. So it is a better five-on-five matchup than it was, you know, six hours ago, let's say. Um, 
but I do kind of like the Monahan, um, the Monahan depth line a little bit better. Uh, uh, sorry, not Monahan, Gallagher, Gallagher, Dvorak, Pearson. Um, you know, those guys have played somewhat well uh, so far this season. 3.8 expected goals for 3.6 against. It's pretty high event, but they are generating a lot of offense. I think that's an, like, you know, like a Gallagher still in the top power play unit. So like a two man of like Gallagher Dvorak, I think is one of those cheap stacks that can get you to uh, the super expensive Tampa Bay stack if you want to get there. So I, I do like Montreal one. I don't think they're my favorite mid price line here tonight. And I, you know, I hate to say it, but I like the Seattle side better specifically the Tolden in line. Yeah. Can see that five dollar super chat from Ryan Ryan Wooldridge. Hi, bro. What DraftKings lineup should I use for two game slate for classic QB, running back, wideouts, tight end, flex, and defense? First of all, this is an NHL show. Second of all, are you asking me to make your lineup? I would need a lot more than five dollars. I would need a big percentage for that. Thirdly, let me help you out because I'm a professional and I play in NFL. Two game slate this weekend. You want to play Cincinnati, Jacksonville, New England, and Pittsburgh. In the quarterbacks, do you want to play Trevor Lawrence, Josh Browning, Mitch Trubisky, or Zappi? I think the the answer is obvious there. Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be 80% owned. If you want to get away from 80% owned, Trevor Lawrence, you can play Mitch Trubisky and hope that he stays upright through the end of the game. But for everything else, you probably should tune into the NHL or the NFL shows. Um, I think Christian Kirk is a good play at 6K too. But tune into the NFL shows. There's an NFL showdown live before lock today at 7.15. I'm not sure. Uh, if there are any strategy shows before that, but are you watching with it muted and you don't know it's a NFL show, but anyway, check the NFL shows out. Even bacon knows this is an NHL show. So let's move on to the next one. Carolina hurricanes with a 3.3 total heading into Winnipeg. The jets have a 3.1 total. Um, we were talking before the game here or before the show. Um, Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, top line. I asked you, I was like, there's no way that bonus would send them out against the stall line at home. So you went and checked the one game last year. They did. They finally got away from it um, at some point during the game. I would imagine they're going to start out against the stall line here because that's how they match at home. Uh, Winnipeg one versus Carolina three. And that kind of bums me out. Um. That being said, I don't mind going to the second line of Winnipeg. It's another one of those lines priced around um, the Seattle chalk. Velarde, Ayafala, Perfidi, they're coming in at 1% projected ownership. Now, I'm not going to go and say you need to play them in one to three because it is still Carolina here. They're a very good defensive team, but they should avoid the stall line for the most part. You get two or three guys on the top power play unit. Not that it's a good power play spot, but Carolina does take a fair bit of penalties. They just don't allow anything on the power play. So, I mean, I don't mind Velarde, I follow Perfidi as a filler in MME. If you are looking to get some low-owned lines away from the Seattle chalk and Philly one, et cetera, et cetera. For me, this is a Carolina game. Not much ownership there either. I don't mind... Because the thing is with Winnipeg is their penalty kill has been pretty bad. Not that the Carolina power play has been, you know, super nitrous. And I don't really like bunting on the top line with Ajo and Jarvis. I'm hoping Netchez moves up. I'm hoping Svechnikov moves up. But 
I don't mind taking a couple of the power play guys like an Aho Jarvis or, you know, a Svechnikov, Teravainen, two-man. Because, yeah, even if it's Hellebuck and Net, Hellebuck and Net, they take a bunch of penalties and their penalty kill isn't great. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be Brossois. Um, that's what some of the beat writers seem to hint towards uh, this morning. So it might be Brossois and Net and not Hellebuck. So we might be looking at Antiranta versus Laurent Brossois in this game. And all of a sudden, what was a game where I wasn't really interested in, in either side, I'm suddenly interested in multiple lines on both sides. Um, like for people that might not have been following the NHL uh, super closely recently, Auntie Ranta is literally saving 85% of the shots that he faces. Um, it's pathetic. Like, I don't know what else to say about it. Like he's been absolutely God awful this year. You know, they have to give Kochekov a night off eventually. So against a non-conference opponent, I guess it makes sense. But, like, Ranta has legitimately been absolutely terrible this season. Like, amongst the worst performances from a goalie I've ever seen um, in, a, in, a, in anything approaching a reasonable sample size. Like, we're nearly two months in at this point. Um, you know, 10 games, he's allowed 30 goals against, and he faces, like, 20 shots a game. It's crazy. Uh, so I didn't really have a lot of interest in Winnipeg, but as long as Ronta's starting, I do. Now, I hope, I, I'm really hoping that they don't send out Shifley against the stall line. I did notice against Chicago on the weekend, they put the sent them out against the Chicago third line. Like you said, we looked to last year's game when Carolina was in Winnipeg and they sent them out against the Jordan stall line. Now they got away from it in the third period. So maybe they learned their lesson. Um, but one of the big reasons why I'm another big reason why I'm hesitating on Winnipeg here. Like I did write them up in the picks article. And the reason I wrote them up in the picks article, well, two reasons. One, um, the top stacks, uh, 6.7% ownership against uh, 14% um, top two probability gives them a lot of positive leverage on DraftKings here tonight. The other reason is the ice time. Like even in a game against Chicago, which is a game they, you know, they, they won three, one, and they should have easily won that game. Like Shifley was at like 22 minutes, I think, or 23 minutes. I think Connor was at 22 and Ehlers was like just below 20. So like they played a, a, a lot. My problem is like Ehlers isn't playing well this year. And it's, it, it hurts me to say that because he's legitimately been one of my favorite players to watch you know, over the last like six, seven years. Um, but he he won one. He stopped shooting. Like he has 18 shot attempts in his last five games. A month ago, there were stretches where he put up like 20 or 22 over like a two-game stretch. Um, he has basically stopped shooting. Like Nick Ehlers doesn't have a single game with at least um with at least seven shot attempts since Remembrance Day, since November 11th. And if you look back to earlier in the season, he had at least seven shot attempts in game one, game four, game five, game eight, game nine, game 12, game three. Like he's just stopped shooting. And the other thing is, is he's shooting a lot more from distance. Like he's not a guy that typically lived in, you know, in the low slot and in the net front area, but he's shooting a lot from the circles, which you're seeing more in the NHL in general, but it's causing him to take a lot of low quality shots. It's causing him to miss the net a lot. Like, I, I do still like Winnipeg, and Ehlers has seen an uptick a little bit of late in his shot rate. I just worry that 
we're kind of assuming that he's still that he's the player that he was last year or the year before or whatever, and he's just not been that guy. Um, I will say I do like the Winnipeg top line out of all their stacks here. Like Perfidi, I follow Velarde. We don't have much of a sample on them. Um, I follow and Perfidi um, underwater by shot attempts for and against in their limited sample together. Perfidi lines tend to be pretty low event anyway. Um, so like you're going to be scant to get like shot bonuses and things like that from this line, even if they do score. So honestly, I think it might be the Niederreiter Lowry Appleton line that I like best of their second and third lines. Like, I think I like them better. Like you're not going to get anybody on the power play, but they're in what is not a bad matchup against the Carolina top line. Like the Carolina top line does give it up defensively for as well as, as they have been generating. So of their depth lines, I think I like the third line here. Shout out to you know Nita Ryder signing that three-year extension today. Maybe he'll have a little extra pep in his step here tonight. But it is Winnipeg one I like best on that side. It's just I'm worried that Ehlers isn't the same guy. And you know, considering that he's not on the top power play unit, like I'd be fine leaving him off and putting up Velarde or putting up Perfidi instead um, in a stack. On the Carolina side, um, I don't know. I think it's going like I, I wish that they were going up against um the top line was going up against Aho because then I played the Aho line. Um I I do like both of the Carolina top lines here tonight. Um they're priced relatively similarly um as well. I will say I'm probably gonna keep playing the Kotkaniemi special cop line and just until they break through. Like that's because they are just generating an absurd amount of offense with Kotkaniemi and Sveshnikov on the ice this season. They're doubling the shot attempts of the other team. It's 84-42 for 60 minutes of 505. Like, that's just patently absurd. I don't care how many shots the defensemen are taking. Um, you know, they're shooting 4%, which is why they haven't been filling the net. But all it takes is, you know, a one-week stretch of, like, 12% shooting, and all of a sudden they're one of the best offensive lines in the league. You know, I always talk about how if they ever get going, all these all the prices on their line are going to come up on everybody. Um and the other thing is, is like Winnipeg's penalty kill has been getting a little bit better, but still like middle of the road. And Burns and Sveshnikov over the last two years since Burns got there have generally been pretty good together on the on the top power play unit. I think they can feed off each other with the way that they shoot. So Carolina two for me, Kakaniemi, Sveshnikov, and Tarabinen, Um, going to avoid the shutdown matchup from Winnipeg. Going to see a lot of the first and second lines, which I think is the matchups that you want to see. They're going to be shooting against Lauren Brassois and not Connor Hellebuck. And like I said, Sveshnikov, um, good power play numbers with Brent Burns there. So Carolina two, Winnipeg one, maybe a two-man stack from Winnipeg three if you want to get cheap. I understand what Bonus is trying to do with Ehlers on the top line. He's trying to get him going. But I, I feel like his time is numbered there, and it's just going to be a matter of time before Velarde takes that spot back. Yeah, I, I, like I'm surprised he hasn't already. I'm going to be honest. Like we might see it tonight. Who knows? Yeah. As we mentioned at the top, uh, we are sponsored by Sleeper Picks. And you can get up to a $100 first deposit match promo. You can win up to 100x your payouts. And you can place in-game contests. They have more stack categories, triple doubles for NBA, double doubles for NBA. And dynamic payouts are live. What are dynamic payouts? In short, each player projection now has a multiplier attached to it as opposed to a preset multiplier based on the number of legs in the contest. With dynamic payouts, also comes more stack categories to place contests on. Built-in group chunk, 
built-in group chat functionality where you can see and copy your group's picks with a tap of a button, which is nice. And the minimum deposit is $20 on Sleeper. Where's my man Ryan Wooldridge out? We have a free square for you. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, over half a yard passing tonight. Free square for NFL. Ryan Wooldridge, that's for you, my man. Uh, but make sure to check out, if you want more info, stochastic.com. You'll see the promo for Sleeper Fantasy. And uh, you can go from there. Half a yard passing. Nice, easy, free square for you. It's kind of like underdog Taco Tuesdays or whatever. Washington Capitals with a 2.9 total. Heading into Arizona, the Coyotes have a three total. Evgeny Kuznetsov is a healthy scratch tonight. He just needs a reset per the coach. I think he needs to lay off the powdered snow. But that is just me. Uh, with him out, you mentioned that Connor McMichael jumped up to that top line in the third they, period. With they ran, uh, they ran morning skate after we came on the show, and they have Strom on the top line with Wilson, Ovechkin, McMichael with Mantha and Protas. Okay. See now, Ovechkin's best numbers on the year have come with Strom, so that makes it a bit more interesting. Especially if, well, they don't—they're not really going to see much of the Keller Schmaltz Cooley line because that line sucks defensively. So you'll see them against Bukestad. You're going to see him against uh, Kerfoot, who is on the top power play and was chalk on Saturday, which just pains me. But I don't mind Washington one with Strom up there. They're fully correlated. Arizona takes a plethora of penalties. Washington power play has been putrid, though. They have been Awful. They haven't scored a power play goal since before Halloween, unless I missed one over the weekend. Um, if they're going to, I mean, they didn't score one against the Sharks, but like this is a very good matchup. And Connor Ingram has been, was the NHL number one star of the week. He has been a brick wall, but I still don't mind him in this matchup. They're fully correlated. They're going to get decent matchups five on five. Although, like, if you, if you've watched Ovechkin this year play, he, does not oh, – I missed two over the weekend, says KJ, our resident Capitals fan. He must be in so much pain. But, yeah, um, Ovechkin skating has been pretty bad this year. I, I, I kind of want to go to NHL and look at his stats compared to last year. And the, but, anyway, don't mind Washington one here. It's a, de- it's a very good power play spot. And on the Arizona side, I'm going back to the depth here. Like, I like Logan Cooley, but that line has just been bad. Um. I'm big on Bukestad, Kraus, Michelli. I also don't even mind Kerfoot, Zucker, and Carconi. That line has just been scoring. They're 11K. They're 4.7% projected ownership, which, again, is negative leverage. But they are cheaper than that. Um, the Seattle stuff, and they're coming in with way less ownership. Also, don't mind McMichael Mantha as a two-man for really cheap. They might see a bunch of that Cooley, Schmaltz, Keller uh, line. And that line has just been awful defensively. So two man of McMichael and Mantha. You can even add in Protoss. Um, yeah, so I think depth uh, in this game is my favorite options. You want to hear something funny? With the Arizona top line on the ice this year with Logan Cooley, they're generating 1.17 expected goals per 60 minutes of 5-on-5. Five five. Lower than Barkley Pedro. This year, Lawson Kraus by himself is generating 1.24. There's literally a guy on the second line generating more offense than the entire top line put together. That line sucks. 
Like you want to put them on the slander list. That's the line that goes on the slander list. The, I, I mean, the, there are a lot of reasons why we, they haven't broken them up yet. I think one of them you mentioned is Connor Ingram, right? Like having a goalie playing as well as Connor Ingram has of late um, is one of those things that can hide a lot of problems about a team. Like, you know, the guy just finished a week where he had a 961 save percentage. Like if you're saving 96% of the shots, everybody's going to look pretty good. But the Arizona top line is just not generating anything. And like, I, I'm just waiting for Barrett to hate to get back to actually make that line playable again. Like, it's not even just a small sample thing of maybe there's, you know, some expected goals not showing up in, in a small sample of shots. It's they're only generating 38 shot attempts for 60 minutes, five on five. Like it's pathetic. Um, I don't see like sh- they're facing Washington here tonight, but I'm going to be honest. Dylan Strom and Connor McMichael are better centers than Evgeny Kuznetsov and obviously Nick Backstrom now that he's injured. Like Strom and McMichael are their two best centers. This is probably the best line. Like, I'm not going to lie. I think this, tonight's lineup is the best lineup that Washington's had all season. Not that I'm a, not that I think they're a great team or anything, but I think they're a lot better than they were when Evgeny Kuznetsov was skating 23 minutes a night and they had Nick Backstrom, you know, skating 15 minutes a night on the third line or whatever. Um, I'm out on Arizona 1. Like, I'm never playing that line. And, uh, like, I, I, I don't see We need Hayton. He's hurt. Well, they do. And also there's no positive leverage on them here tonight, right? Because they suck so much that all the prices that they're cheap, they're 15,900 on DraftKings and 7.6% ownership, 7.7% top two stack. Like there's no like shade of positive leverage, but not enough. It's not like this is a 2% line here tonight, right? Like there's going to be ownership. Um, So I'm out on Arizona one. Like I'll just echo what our boss, Jake Harry always tells us, play the good lines. Arizona, too, has been a really good line for this team. Um, you know, they're coming in with a little bit of negative leverage, 3.6% top two probability, 4.9% ownership. Um, but they're getting more and more ice time. Uh, they're basically up to like 17, 18 minutes a game now. Um, I wrote them up in the picks article today. 75 shot attempt, or sorry, 17, 15 to 18, 30 in ice time for Kraus and Butestad. Sorry, creating 33, 30. 0.8 expected goals, 3.3 actual goals per 60 minutes at five on five, earning about 40% of the power play time. Like they're getting not significant minutes because Arizona doesn't draw a ton of power plays, but this is getting closer to a split power play unit situation like you see in Seattle. So they're going to get the secondary power play minutes, quote, secondary power play minutes. They're going to see, you know, anywhere from 16 to 18 minutes in all likelihood. They've been playing extremely well. 4.4 expected goals per 60 minutes over their last 10 games. Like, it's just a really good line. And, you know, you and I have been big fans of Michelli since last season. Lawson Krause has certainly blossomed into the, you know, 20 to 30 goal score everybody thought he could be. Nick Bukestad's looked at home on that line, you know, since last year. I really like them here tonight. So Arizona 2 for me. I know people are going to be tempted to go back to Arizona 3, um, the line with Carcone. Uh, Zucker and Kerfoot. What I'll mention is that Carcone has scored seven goals on his last 15 shots. It's like he's playing against Antti Ranta every night. Um, that possibly can't persist. Like that guy's not going to shoot over 40%. He's going to have a long drought coming up. Um, I want to get away from that before that happens. So play the good line. I'm going with Arizona too. On the Washington side, 
I'm kind of interested in the top line now <laughs> that Dylan Strom's there, which kind of sucks to say. Um, but they are one of the lines that's coming in with positive leverage. Seven, you know, seven to eight percent ownership projected on DraftKings here tonight. Um, over eleven percent top two stack percentage. Um, they're the only line that's going to carry any ownership from Washington. So if you wanted to, like, I wrote up Connor McMichael. I think Connor, like a two man of like McMichael and Nanta, makes a lot of sense um, here tonight. I'm um, getting depth matchups from Arizona. But they do use the second and third lines from Arizona in the in those shutdown roles. That includes the Kerfoot line, which has not been good defensively. They've been bailed out by Connor Ingram. So I actually don't mind Washington one here tonight. So it's Washington one, Arizona two for me in this game. Yeah, and just a quick point on Arizona three, and then we'll move on. It pains me to say, but I will admit it, Alex Kerfoot has looked pretty good this season. I mean, he's, he's a good two-way player he's just miscast he was miscast as you know the winger for John Tavares and William Nylander should have been the third line center that's what he should have been but you know can't use him there and then you got to trade Engvall and then you got to play Max Domi a bunch like things are going my, well my man bringing up the Leafs slander so I don't have to do it Leafs suck they're gonna have issues anyway I don't St. Louis Blues with a 2.6 total heading into Vegas the Golden Knights have a 3.5 total. Jack Eichel, Stone, Barbashev, top line, 17300 That is cheap for them. If they start rolling, that price is going to creep up quickly. They have a little bit of negative leverage, but I don't mind them at 16% here. The second line has equal negative leverage, so I'll just go to the top line here. I think you can do Carlson Marshall if you want. William Carlson's kind of hit a little uh, plateau on the season. You can say, I don't mind, you know, a one-off Marsha. So, but this isn't the best power play spot. Uh, it's actually a pretty bad one. The Blues just don't take penalties. I think they're the lowest in the league. So I think you go, you attack the Blues at five on five and I'll full full stack the Vegas top line. On the Blues side, I don't have a ton of interest here. Um, like it would be the Shen Kairu Hayes line but you're not even getting a huge discount and they are getting some ownership and they have the lowest total on the slate against the Stanley cup champions. I guess you can get to them in MME. I just don't have a ton of interest at them at five on five or single entry. Sorry. Yeah. And another thing about, I mean, you mentioned it on the last show with Vegas, they like Vegas does play their fourth line a fair bit. And it seems like it is hurting the Carlson line the most because Carlson his ice time has gone down for four straight games, basically since they moved Stone to the top line. Um, you know, he only has five points in his last 10 games. He's still shooting quite a bit. Like, you have to say that. Like, he does have 37 shots over his last 10 games. He had one big nine-shot game in there. But other than that, like, he's still over three shots per game in the other nine. So, like, um, the, him and Marceau are both shooting quite a bit. Um, but I agree with you. I think I would rather just go to Vegas one here. Like there is going to be a lot of ownership on them at 16%, but you know, you don't have to use Barbashev. You can throw, you know, a defenseman like Petrangelo, um, on the blue line if you want, certainly because uh, of the power play correlation. Um, you know, you can pay all the way down and, and throw in like a Zach white cloud or, or something like that instead. Like there are ways to kind of dilute that ownership. Um, as you mentioned, 16% uh, ownership, 12.9% top two stack. I just keep I, like I hate to harp on the same point, but I feel like it's very important to mention how much better Mark Stone has been without Chandler Stevenson on his line. Like um, his uh, shot attempts go up, 
his points uh, go up quite a bit. His points per minute go up quite a bit. Um, you know, just playing with Jack with Jack Eichel in general over the last two years boosts his numbers as they, you know, as you'd expect. Um, they're just a much, much better line um, without Chandler Stevenson there. And I think Stevenson's, you know, can go, go find his game on the third line or whatever. I really do like Vegas one here. Um, they're my favorite line on the entire slate. Problem is, is like that ownership, right? Like they're looking like they're going to be the third uh, most, third highest owned line here on DraftKings. Um, might even get up over 20% on FanDuel um, by the, per the top stacks tool, which is a lot of ownership on this slate. But um, it's a really, really good matchup for them at five on five. Not a good matchup on the power play, like you said. Blues are only taking two and a half penalties per game. That's by far the least in the league. Um, but Vegas could definitely get there, especially at that price um, at five on five. Like if they can generate enough shots, like you really only need two goals for them. And they can do that at even strength. So I really do like Vegas one here. Like going, I think going to Vegas two is fine um, because they have been fairly high event um, with Cotter, with Car Cotter playing with Carlson. So they do trade chances back and forth, but they are shooting a lot. You still get two or three guys on top power playing. I think Vegas two is just fine. But it is Vegas one that I like best in this game by quite a wide margin. Um, Vegas one without Stevenson, really good defensively. Vegas two, like I said, trading chances quite a bit. Uh, I think that could play pretty well for the St. Louis second line here tonight. So on the St. Louis side, like I know the top line is perfectly correlated. But by the same token, this is also a bad power play spot for St. Louis. Um, the top stacks tool has that St. Louis second line of Kairou, Shen, and Hayes. Coming in with positive leverage at 14,900. They're going to see a much faster pace matchup uh, against the Vegas second line rather than the Vegas top line. Um, they're going to face Logan Thompson in net uh, rather than Aiden Hill. Like, you know, Logan Thompson's been pretty good this year, but Aiden Hill has been better. So it's a bit, you know, supposedly a little bit of a downgrade in net. They still don't have Shea Theodore. I don't mind St. Louis too here. Um, I think they're playable in single entry but I would much rather play them in a 20 max or something like that. Like, you know, put in one or two St. Louis two lines in a, in a 20 max or something. Um, other than that, it would be just picking one offs. Like uh, this is it. St. Louis is just in a pretty bad spot here tonight. If I'm stacking anything from St. Louis, it is on that. It is that second line, but it's Vegas one. I like best in this game by quite a bit. Agreed. Coming up after us. At 5.30 p.m., NBA Deeper Dive with Josh Engelman and Adam Schur. 6.30 p.m., NBA Live Before Lock with Greg Ehrenberg and former Iowa State caddy Eric Lindquist. 7.30 p.m., where's my man? Where is my man? Um, Ryan Woodridge, it's for you. 7.30 p.m., NFL Showdown Live Before Lock with Neil and Matt Bellman. So stick around for that. Let's talk a little bit about defensemen. Mike Matheson, the the which is weird to say, is the most expensive defenseman on the board tonight at 6,900. I think this is a good spot. Uh, you know he's going to be on power play one. I think that is fine. I like Petrangelo even with the bad uh, power play spot. You can say it's like a narrative street or whatever, but like he's been on Vegas for a while now. John Carlson, also a really good spot. Then you get down to the mid-range, and I'll let you talk about that, but the two that stick out to me there are Burns and Wiltang. Yeah, Petrangelo is the, de the expensive defenseman that I do like best here tonight. Um, he is grading best uh, by projections, which is giving him a solid point per dollar value uh, on DraftKings. So I do like Petrangelo here tonight. 
Um, Mathis, I think Matheson is fine. Like Seattle, like Seattle has been grinding down the pace a little bit. That's the one thing that worries me is like, is he, can he get there with shot blocks? Can he get there with shots? Like, I'm not sure, but I think both are certainly play here tonight. You mentioned Latang and Burns in the mid middle price range. Um, Miro Haskinen's actually projecting pretty well uh, against Tampa Bay. Like one thing I mentioned in the picks articles is like Vasilevsky's not looked good since he came back from that back surgery. I think you mentioned it on the weekend as well. Um, and, you know, and then he gets blown up by Dallas for six goals. Um, this might not be a bad game um, for Miro Haskinen. I also have Vince Dunn in there because um, he's still getting a lot of minutes and it is a really good matchup. I don't mind Vince Dunn. A couple cheap defensemen, Jalen Chatfield. Um, I think he's get, getting a little bit more minutes. Um, I like him for 2,500. He's usually always in play for me. Uh, Ryan Graves, I think, makes a lot of sense um, with his ability to put up peripherals. Justin Barron uh, from Montreal has been getting some minutes. Uh, don't mind him. Thomas Harley, he's not projecting that well at for $3,500 on DraftKings. But what I mentioned in the picks article I wrote about him today is that his numbers, he's been moved away from Yanni Hockenpah and his numbers of this season are way better away from Hockenpah. I think he likes to take more chances. Um, um, he had two points. He had a goal and an assist against Tampa Bay um, on Saturday. So I do like Thomas Harley again here today, even though his price is starting to creep up a little bit. Yeah, he's still playing 18 minutes, and he's an offensive defenseman, so you don't need the 26 minutes or whatever. When he's on the ice, he's going to go to the offense. Let's talk a little bit about goalies here. Logan Thompson, the highest on the board here tonight. Not a huge fan. Grubauer at 8,200, not a huge fan. Auntie Ronta at AK, not a huge fan. Connor Ingram, I like at 7,900. I've been a Connor Ingram guy since he was on Nashville. I will ride that bus. Nedeljkovic is starting for Pittsburgh here tonight. I don't mind that against Philly. It's just like goalies. I don't know. Like Montembeau, I think, is a nice play at 7,200. Jake Ottinger sticks out to me. But again, it's another slate where I hate goalies. That's just every day. Yeah. I wrote up Jordan Bennington. I think there's a decent ch chance he sees the most volume um, of any goalie here tonight. So 7K on DraftKings. I do like Bennington. Um, yeah. Mont I think Montembeau's fine as well for 7,200 in a home matchup. Uh, Nadelkovic is a little bit cheaper than Jari on DK. I think that helps. He's under AK. So don't mind him if you want to take him on the road. But I also like Carter Hart in that matchup. Because Pittsburgh does have trouble scoring at 5-on-5 five five at times. And, you know, they're probably not going to get there on the power play. So uh, maybe he can see some low-quality shots. So I actually like both goalies in that game. I prefer Carter Hart because of the price. But I think this is a cheap goalie night for me. Because I Connor Hellebuck circled. And then they said Laura Brassois is going to start. So... All right, fine. I'm going to go play Jordan Bennington in the late game and not watch one second of St. Louis Blues hockey. I, I don't mind Brossois either. He's not – like, he's probably a low-end NHL starter, but he's a pretty good backup. Don't mind that for the shot volume either. But goalies yeah. suck. If you have – like, honestly, like, if you have a lean, just play that guy. Yeah. Who are you liking for your hat trick pick? Uh, let's go with our desert dogs here tonight, and I'm going with Lawson Kraus. That was honestly my pick too. So let's go Ty Cartier. Oh, there we go. Ah, big Western Conference night tonight, maybe. We'll see. Uh, we'll see late night for our boys. Yeah. Uh, Cliffy will be back tomorrow. I have to take a personal day. My older son has an appointment at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, so Cliffy will take you solo tomorrow. We will both be back on Thursday. So smash that like on the way out. Go premium. Why haven't you done that? That's just scenes. And good luck, everybody. Good luck tonight, everyone.